OTB GAA. One of the fathers was mentioning the cows at half six or seven on the, on the, on the Monday morning. They started crying that we just have to win in the county final yesterday. Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. The football kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. Ah, yes, indeed. You're very welcome back to the football kickoff with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And I'm delighted to welcome Keith Tracy to the show. Keith, how are you? I'm very well. How are you? Have you recovered from the World Cup? Just about, yeah. Well, I recovered uh, probably about two weeks ago because I, uh, I backed the English, as I'm sure you know. So I've, uh, I've had a bit of rest and time anyway. And I'm sure your mates have let you forget that too. No, uh, as soon as everybody was a little bit nervous uh, when they got the French. They weren't sure if they were going to get past or not. But as soon as the French kicked them out, everybody was, oh, I knew they wouldn't win it. I knew they wouldn't win it. But I, I, I honestly think that was the English best chance with, uh, with being in November and December, everybody fully fit. I thought... Every team had weaknesses. I think Argentina, although they won, had weaknesses. Brazil had weaknesses. The French obviously had weaknesses, as did the English. I, I thought it was a fantastic World Cup. Really, really enjoyed it. But I have to say, I am uh, can't wait to get my teeth stuck into the Premier League again. I'm really, really excited for this race to get going as well. Yeah, Phil Egan also with us. Phil, how are you? Very well, yeah. Phil uh, dropped the bombshell um, just before we came on air. Going, just uh, looking at the league table, what, what surprised you most? Well... 13th of November was the last Premier League game. Pretty much the last... A lifetime ago. The last punch thrown was Garnacho's goal against Fulham. Brilliant goal. And you're looking at some of the fixtures over the, the festive period and you actually see that West Ham are going to Arsenal. And you're like, West Ham are 16th? What's going on? Because my memory of West Ham before the World Cup is giving teams... A tough time, but a not, good game. Win, not winning games. And yeah. we've, we've talked about this before with Moyes and going away to big teams and not getting results. And that's why they're in 16th. Like there's there a little bit of talk I remember before the World Cup that he'd want to get his act together soon enough. Even though like he's got them into the, the next round in Europe. They obviously had a good European run. And, you know, they've done very well the last couple of seasons. But we know that football is pretty unforgiving at the highest level. Yeah, very unforgiving. Um, and especially when the owners at West Ham have such big ambitions that they keep telling everybody about. Now, I I wouldn't be terribly surprised if West Ham is one of those other clubs that's kind of secretly for sale as well and, um, and new owners are looking at that because the stadium is good. Obviously, the London market is absolutely massive. They'd be much cheaper. They would be like billions cheaper than some of the other Premier mm. League clubs who are there at the moment and your ability to ma- make upside on it is probably just the same. So, uh, right, I'm going to just run through the, the fixtures really quickly here. Brentford versus Spurs, half past 12 on St. Stephen's Day on Premier Sports. Aston Villa versus Liverpool, half past five on St. Stephen's Day in Premier Sports. And Arsenal versus West Ham at eight o'clock on Premier Sports. That is uh, Monday the 26th of December. The other two games we're going to talk about on the show. Uh, United and Forest is on Tuesday at eight o'clock. And then on Wednesday, it's Leeds versus Manchester City. Jesse Marsh's Leeds. So, um, I, I do want to talk a little bit here, Keith, before we get into this, about the kind of broad brushstrokes. From an Arsenal perspective, it's been an incredible opening to the season. It was a brilliant end to uh, the first part. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, Gabriel Jesus gets his injury and you're like, oh, Jesus. So, if you're Arsenal, do you have to go and buy a striker? Or do you try and patch it up and tell the squad... We believe in you. We love you. We think you're good enough to do this on your own. It's a, it's a really difficult question to answer. 
from the outside looking in, I assume they won't buy a striker. You know, when, when you look at some of the people who are coming to the forefront, I know Jesus is injured and it's not so much just the goals he gives you. I think he's five goals, and but he also has five assists this season. And Martin Odegaard actually has six goals this season. Martin Ellie has five, Saka has four, and even Shaka, the, the Swiss sentiment feeler, he has three goals. So the goals are coming from all over the pitch, really. It's not just one player who was, uh, who was head and shoulders above everybody. So I wouldn't be too concerned about that. It's more Jesus' work rate. It's more the Man City mentality when he brings that into the team. I think that's been the, the big change in Arsenal, the way they press from the front. Uh, Martinelli on the left wing, he, he looks unbelievable. I love watching him. Saka has been unbelievable. It, it's just the young base that, that is... I just can't get behind it because, like I said, I feel like there's going to be an injury to there is to Jesus at the minute. If you miss him, I'm not sure how long he's going to be out for. It's a knee injury he got there two weeks ago for Brazil. Hopefully, he's not out too long. But look, I think Arsenal at the minute have struck a lovely, lovely balance. They seem to have a great team ethic, a walk rate that that is second to none, and they've they've only conceded 11 goals as well. The defense. For all the all the attacking talent they have on show, the defence is what's really propping them up at the minute. Eleven goals conceded in I think it's fifteen games. It's uh, level with Newcastle, and Newcastle's defence has been unbelievable. Better better defence than Manchester City, which I think if anybody can say that at the end of the year will probably win the league. So look, Arsenal are flying really really high. I don't. I I I am an Arsenal fan. I don't expect them to win the league. I have to be honest with you. I think. Manchester City are just in cruise control of what's it, 40 games and, and, and 14 goals. It's a ridiculous number of goals they score. Very, very decent defence. So I think a lot of clubs around them, like you think Liverpool will still come on strong. I know there's a big gap. There's Liverpool, Chelsea, they're going to start coming on strong. Look, I think Newcastle as well. Newcastle have shown that I think they, they have uh, they have what, they, what is needed for this Premier League sprint. So look, if Newcastle are going to last the pace as well, it's going to be a great race, but look at if you if you said to me now Arsenal will play Champions League football next year, I take it. And can I, I just I don't can I just ask one thing about that? Right, like the point you made about England earlier, I totally agree with you. I actually think the response in the English media has been, oh, it's grand. We have this great young generation of players, and they're just learning. And then four years time, they'll be better. You don't know that's going to be the case. You haven't a clue what's going to happen. So I, I do think that with Arsenal, that. They will definitely be better. They, they've got a manager now. They've got um, a system of buying and acquiring players who fit the system. And so you would you would assume that this is the start of a good period for them. But there is a window of opportunity here with a five-point lead where Pep Guardiola is in the paper today talking about the Champions League being the trophy that they want to win. They've won, a, they've, they've won this competition so much. They've gone out and they've signed Haaland and they don't know how long they're going to have Haaland for. I think their eggs are very much in the Champions League basket. I just think that like for Arsenal... They, they they need to think Leicester City here and they need to think just go for it yeah look that that's probably what's getting said in house but look Leicester would be the one I would say just just take it game by game the next game is West Ham win that game the next game that comes after that win that game I wouldn't be taking stock of, of the of the league table obviously I'm analysing I have to go go through the ins and outs but as a player I just torn up every game trying to win. I, I wouldn't overanalyze it because you can get bogged down. You can start seeing the finish line. You start looking over your shoulder. For me, just go out and try and win every single game and see where that brings you. And look, if Arsenal last season, you know, they, they huffed and puffed, but just ran out of steam. They got 
I think they got battered by uh, they got battered by Spurs in the in the North London derby, and then just ran out of steam altogether. I, I look, I, I find it very very hard to get behind them. I'm not sure why. I just think maybe there's still a little bit of a soft underbelly there. But look, I don't think they've been tested yet. You know, I'd love to see Arsenal maybe go one nil down, two nil down without a Gabriel Jesus and just wrestle a game back. I don't think they they maybe don't have that in the locker just yet, but. Look, it's been. I am nitpicking. I, I, I realise I'm. But you have to but, if you're going to win the league, though. Right? It's fair enough. Yeah. What do you yeah, think? Yeah. Look, I, go on. Sorry. No, I was going to. What do you think, Phil? No, I I agree. I can see both sides of the argument. I agree that you know at the at the end of last season when they lost that North London derby and then they went and they lost to Newcastle and everyone thought it's happened again. This was their chance to get Champions League and then off the back of it they signed Jesus Sinchenko and. Now they're in this incredible position. Now they haven't played Manchester City at all in the league, but that that game that was meant to happen was postponed because of the European game that Arsenal had to fit in. Now, so when you look at the five point lead, you think, okay, that's a, a nice cushion that they have, but they still haven't played City. Those games, like the home and away games, you, you saw when Liverpool and City have been neck and neck. There's so much importance on those two games when you play Manchester City. So City won't be panicking. And yeah, I, I think, yeah, at the start of the season, if you would have imagined, if Arsenal can get into the top four, that's incredible. Yeah. But I do agree that this is a different season as well, where uh, so we've, I was we've like, had a World I, Cup. I had that flakiness. And, and the whole time, Nathan has been like, no, you have to believe them. They're totally different. Mm. This is different. They're, they're playing different. And I'm like, I like, I, you know, I, I, I just... Can't meet Doubting Thomas. I need to put my fingers in the wounds and like feel the flesh of Jesus Christ. There is a worry I would have. I think Saliba's been excellent, but I worry about Gabriel. Like in those big games where he's just not at the same level as Saliba, who obviously went to the World Cup but didn't get a kick of a ball playing with France. But he'll um, he's been he's been excellent. And then with Jesus, I know he's you know he hasn't been prolific in terms of goals, but actually the interesting thing is in terms of players in the opposition area. He has the most touches, so he occupies defenders. Yeah, creates like, space. We we like to reduce things to um, goals and assists because mm. of fantasy football. But actually, the data that the uh, that Arsenal will have on him, and they kept picking him. Yeah, and they've they've sung his praises, and I'm sure they were frustrated that the the goals dried up the way they did. But at the same time, no one seemed stressed about it. There didn't seem to be too much pressure. Now, obviously, top of the league, maybe that helps. Yeah. Do you do you think they'll? sign somebody there is talk a lot of the talk doesn't seem to be about a striker it seems to be about Mudrick from Donetsk and then if they were to sign him he pretty much plays in the Martinelli position so did they move Martinelli into the centre Enketi is a, he's a decent player but he's nowhere near the same level as, as Jesus but I, I, I love Martinelli um, now I, like, I think so with West Ham it's the kind of game that Arsenal should win couple of seasons ago you wouldn't say that whereas you feel that this Arsenal team should beat West Ham and then you know you're back up and running like yeah. they, they dropped those points against Southampton and then you know they, they bounced back from that and um, we see today they should have been one nil up against Manchester United yeah, I saw that, yeah like that's interesting the bar coming out and fixing that because it felt like it was a weird but correct decision at the time but the fact that it was seen by the referee on the pitch. Oh, that was he, the thing why, okay. He thought, yeah, that's fine. And okay. then they went back and looked at it. So, yeah, it's you're referring to the VAR got six decisions wrong. Errors. According to themselves. According to themselves. They've and done a review. One of them. And people say it didn't, like, that was at nil all. I think it's a massive impact on yeah, the game. And I think that day, 
actually I know Arsenal lost that day at Old Trafford it's their only defeat this season but they showed signs of just how good they are in terms of the way they played but when they got it back to one all you thought there's only going to be one winner here I thought he had a few knocks uh, to deal with Arteta so he made changes quite early in that game and then it just seemed to open them up and obviously United picked them off but okay, yeah, yeah it's going to be it's just a case of beat West Ham and then just start again um, Keith we had an interesting chat during the week on OTBAM about Declan Rice and uh, again if you if you read certain people after the game against France he's like a colossus in bestriding European midfield play and uh, I think he's very good but I do think if we're, if we're nitpicking here and we're talking about somebody who's like worth 100 million or 120 million or 150 million then um I'm just not quite sure that I see that player at the moment. That's not to say he can't be that player, because obviously he's still very, very young. But um, is he as good as we're being told he is? He's very, very good. He's a very, very good defensive midfield player. Um, I really like Declan Rice, I have to be honest. and he can def- He's definitely one that can make the step up. I, I heard him say that he wants to play Champions League football. He, he's more than capable of doing that when you see the, the performances he puts in for England. And I, I love when he reads the game so well, he'll protect the back four, back five, whatever his team are playing, he'll go and protect them. But when he wins the ball, you know, deep in his own half, he has the legs to go and drive up the pitch and just go past people and set counter-attacks off. You know, not to the point where he skips past two or three people and then put, puts on a play for people, but he can drive up the pitch. And, you know, when you look at it, he's he's a really, really good player. He's just never never seems to be overawed by him, just gets on with it and does really well. And, you know, I, I don't think West Ham fans will want to see him going out the door, but I, I think it's inevitable, really. I think he's shown at international level he, there is a couple of more gears left to go with him. And Yeah, look, I, I think I, he's probably not the best defensive midfielder in the world. I look at somebody like N'Golo Kante, who for me would be probably D1, the best holding midfielder. But he's not a million miles off that. And like you say, he's young and he has, uh, he has years to learn. So if he was to go to... For, for argument's sake, a Manchester City and Arsenal, even a Manchester United, he's playing with so-called better players and training better. Yeah, I think he could go from strength to strength, but it's quite hard to to really get down and, and see how good he is because the English media with an English player, they will just get behind him and throw all sorts behind him. So sometimes you have to go way through a bit, a bit of fluff to actually get to the truth. But yeah, no, I, I do think he's a, he's a he could go on to be a world class player. Like I say, he's one of the best holding midfield players in the world right now, but not quite the best. But every chance he could get there, yeah. And I think there'll be a, a line of Premier League clubs knocking to get his signature. I want to see with the Champions League. Yeah, it's funny. There's something that there's something in what you said there, Keith, about the English media. And I all I like. I don't want to get back into the whole. You know, he used to play for Ireland, but if he was still playing for Ireland, we wouldn't be having this conversation about Declan Rice being sought after by so many clubs I don't think well we definitely wouldn't be having the 100 million chat no, anyway definitely not it, no. it, yeah it, but I, look from when I was playing in England you know other wingers whoever it would be coming up all of a sudden you know 50 million to be getting thrown around for a winger that I played with and you know I come up against but I'm worth 5 million and it's literally just because the English and the Irish and our English and foreign well, you know it's an English league you know you, you have to have a certain amount of homegrown players in your team I get that Maybe that that's the reason the price goes through the roof. But yeah, look, I, I don't think I think a hundred millions for a defensively minded player is an awful, awful lot of money. But look, if, if it's defenses that win leagues, really, isn't it? Attackers don't score the goals, but yeah. defenders win the leagues. And if Declan Rice does that, then 
who's to say he's not worth 100 million look it's obviously it's obviously a team game and everybody uh, needs teammates around them I'm just interested to see what kind of composition of midfield he plays best in if actually um, if you, if you, if he's getting the ball and giving it to more creative and more talented I hate to use the word talent because obviously he's very talented but I don't feel like he has the close control to survive in the the cutthroat. If you're up against the Real Madrid midfield of Cruz and Casemiro and Modric, what happens in that game? Is he just he's just a destroyer? But when when they press him, as they probably would do, does he have the close control in those tight situations to be able to not give up possession and suddenly the ball's in the back of neck? back of the net because they've got Benzema and Vinicius Jr. Whereas at West Ham, like, you know, people pressurise him but he knows it's coming and so the mindset isn't that I have to attack with this, I can just pass it back to centre-backs. Am I making my point? No, absolutely. And he's playing with West Ham as well. He's playing usually with a team that's going to sit in and play on the counter-attack. But you're obviously talking about if he's playing in a more progressive team. Say, for example, if he was playing for Liverpool and he was the holder and he has two eights outside him and... You know, Fabinho is playing that role for Liverpool. Hasn't had a good season. No. What would Declan Rice be like in that situation? Similar. You know, at there's a, a lot of ground, level, I would say. There's a lot of ground to cover because Liverpool obviously like to attack. Is he massively better than Fabinho? Is he is he better than Fabinho? Well, at the moment he is because Fabinho is just okay. not having a Let's good put time. The body of work over the last three seasons together. Well, I think Fabinho wouldn't be as athletic as Declan Rice, but certainly I would have more confidence in that close control. So against Manchester City, right? He's got Rodrigo up his hole, and uh, and they're like, you know, are you passing it to Declan Rice or are you passing it to Fabinho? I'm passing it to Fabinho. I think that's important. What do you well, think? I actually pass it to Thiago. To well, be obviously, because that, <laughs> that lad is so good on the ball. I think. Uh, Look, I, I think if you if you're talking about uh, being able to play football, you know, having the ball at your feet, then yeah, I'd go for for Fabinho. But if if you were to put Declan Royce in that Liverpool midfield, for instance, you know, the, the balls that the the Liverpool midfield players play for the likes of a Salah or a Darwin Nunes or whoever it is running onto it, they're not difficult balls because teams will try and try and squeeze up the halfway line. You've got forty or fifty yards of grass just to chip it into. So if Declan Royce does get the ball under pressure. Believe me, it's not a difficult ball just to chip one into the channel and tell Mo Salah, go and get after that. Yeah. We know West Ham are a little bit deeper down the pitch, so he, if he chips the ball in there, you know, they're not going to get no any, there. any will and runners after it. But if you were to put him into that Liverpool team, I think it becomes that little bit easier. You know, I could chip a ball into 50 yards of grass or somebody run after it. It's not a difficult pass. So, I, yeah, I, I do think Declan in certain teams would be okay. But, like, when you think about Kroos or Modric or somebody coming... And playing that game with him, I do think that, you know he, he probably just hasn't learned the game to the same degree as you know your Modric and your Kroos, and yeah. he could be tactically bullied. But yeah, look, his, his athleticism—he has a decent range of passing. He reads the game really, really well. And yeah, I, I think West Ham will probably get this season out of him, and that'll be a time to part ways. Then there's also like the longevity you'll have with him because he's obviously played as a centre half, so you would imagine that's where he's going to finish his career as well. Even last night, United played Casemiro's. Uh, that was very interesting, I thought. Because he got caught in the ball once, but they, they got away with it. Like, does that suddenly give you some comfort that we've given him a five-year deal, he can end up the last 18 months of that contract playing centre-back, he'll be very good. It won't be every week, it won't be in the massive no. games. No. So, so suddenly, it doesn't feel like it's the millstone around their neck. 
Yeah, I, I said, I mean, it's a, it's a handy option to have because when that team was released last night, you were wondering, I was looking at, is he going to go Casemiro or McTominay as a centre-half? So yeah. he obviously went with, with Casemiro, but a better reader of the game. But going back to Declan Rice, you'd imagine that's where he's going to end up. All right. Give us your predictions. Aston Villa against Liverpool, half past five on Stevens Day on Premier Sports. What do you think? Aston Villa? No, the, the sorry, the Aston Villa-Liverpool game, yeah. Aston Villa Liverpool. Eh, I have to be honest. I, I think Liverpool Liverpool are going to beat them. I think Aston Villa under Uno Emery. He's now he's had the he's been in charge for a couple of weeks now. But this is when he'll be really targeting for him to kick on. But they, they just don't seem to they don't score an awful lot of goals. Uh, Aston Villa sixteen goals from fifteen games. It's not a good That's enough Stephen Gerrard stats. They don't count. <laughs> we've we've just <laughs> completely men and black that it never happened. No, nah, look, look he's, at, a, he's a car salesman now. They all, they all, the stats, they all matter. They really do. And if you're scoring a goal a game or less than a goal a game, you're going to get yourself into trouble. And yeah. if that is the stats that Aston Villa are doing, then you have to look at the defensive stats. And the defensive stats aren't much better either. So they need to improve an awful lot on both sides of the pitch. I think they'll be all right. They, they probably might nick a, a top half finish. But for me, Liverpool already lost four games this season. Look really, really flaky. They're seven points off scores and fourth. I expect them to recover. I expect them to get back into the race for top four. Whether or not they, they'll make the top four, I'm not so sure. But, yeah, I don't know. I just don't... I don't know what it is with Liverpool. They see, I know people are saying they're, they're running out of legs. The press in the midfield is not what it used to be and people are playing through them. But something needs to change and whether they, they play a little bit less helter-skelter and try and keep the ball a little bit better... I'm not so sure, but I'm sure Jurgen Klopp over the last couple of weeks has been speaking to people and trying to put things in place because it just hasn't been good enough. Seven points off scores. If I'd have told you that at the start of the season, you'd have thought something's gone drastically, drastically wrong at Liverpool. Yeah, I, I like Darwin Nunes. I, I really like him as an individual player. I don't think it's it's quite gelled yet with Liverpool. I think it will. I think they'll all get to understand each other just a little bit more and it will really click. But at the minute... I wouldn't say they're all over the place, Liverpool, but there's definitely room for an awful lot of improvement there. What is what is going on? It, it all comes down to the midfield. We talked about Declan Rice, but like Liverpool in the last few weeks, it's all the talk about them is just about possible midfielders coming in. Sure, if I was to believe what I've seen, they'll have a new midfield next season of Amrabat, Bellingham, and Fernandez. It's pretty good. <laughs> be a pretty good. But it'll cost you about two hundred and fifty million. So I'm not sure where Liverpool are getting that money from, unless new owners. A new owner has been brought in or new investors. But that's been the issue. And look, they've a nice game in the League Cup to kind of very similar to the Community Shield where they turned up and they were brilliant against City that day so Liverpool fans were thinking yeah it's going to be more of the same and then they go out and they draw at Fulham on the opening weekend and you know they've stuttered ever since really they've had their moments but then you know they lost back-to-back games against Forest and Leeds then they got that win against Spurs which felt like a significant day it was their first away win of the season in the league and then they beat Southampton but actually Villa have the kind of players that could hurt Liverpool if they're not watertight in midfield where they have runners they have pace the likes of Bailey Watkins and look it wouldn't be the first time Liverpool have been opened up at Villa Park I'm not saying it's going to be another 7-2 but I, I think Villa will actually be confident enough they could get something from this and Emery's had a bit of time on the training ground 
mean, not many players were away for the World Cup. No, obviously one of their most important. I don't think I mean Martinez is going to be playing. Yeah. If he does come back, are you putting him in the team? I'm probably not putting him in the team. He is on a roller coaster right now. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, and it, probably you're looking at Robin Olsen and the only game Emery's lost is that League Cup game against United and Robin Olsen was quite a, he played a significant role in the concession of one of those goals when Phil actually did quite well that night so it's um no it's it's a tricky one for Liverpool but they like they can't as Keith said like they've lost four games already they can't be dropping more points they can't and they're a little bit thin in terms of um the injury profile at the, the moment the Diaz thing was such a setback for them because you expected that they'd be starting back with him yeah he's gone Jota still not ready so you've basically got Nunes, Salah, and Salah coming back to a bit of form. Salah will be fine. Firmino, this, yeah, he he's he's had a very good season. Carvalho hasn't; they haven't really found his best role just yet. And they, they, you know they have players back in midfield, but quantity doesn't necessarily mean quality. I mean, I'm talking about the likes of Oxley Chamberlain, Naby Keita are back. Yeah, but it's not good enough. I don't not, think it's good not enough. to. I mean, obviously, they're not going to win the league this season, but um, what, uh, obviously, there's loads of games left. I, I mean, I know we've, we've talked about, like, it's half a season's gone, but it isn't really. So there's plenty of time for them to get back into the top four. Do you expect them to get back into the top four, or is it too much to ask coming from this far back? Well, I'm look, they're not going to catch City or Arsenal, I don't think. Newcastle are a little bit ahead of schedule, Liverpool are the last team to beat Newcastle and that was back in that was back in October it could actually could have even been further back it was the one where Cavallio scored in like the seventh minute of injury time so Newcastle don't lose many games maybe they might draw too many so you're looking at they have to overhaul the likes of Newcastle Spurs and United now they have a game in hand over over Spurs but then you wonder where Chelsea will come into the equation so the they have a fair old task on their hands to try and finish in the top four I think I don't think it'll impact in terms of trying to recruit players because I think once Klopp is there he is the he's the secret sauce absolutely yeah and he's the secret sauce for the owners as well so they need to get that deal done and make sure that he is sticking around because the new owners will he's one of those few clubs where you're like we absolutely need to keep you buddy um, because he's been so transformative to them uh, okay so uh, we've talked about Villa Liverpool we've talked about Arsenal against West Ham we need to talk about Brentford against Spurs Keith what do you expect from Harry Kane in the aftermath of the World Cup in fairness to him he did come out immediately and said you know that's on me um, he does seem like the type of player who can recover from setbacks you know his career has been remarkable like whatever people might think about um, Harry Kane's attributes either way he has continuously, whenever there's been a streaky spell, he's always bounced back from it, which is, you know, that is that is somebody who's at it and knows what they're supposed to do. So I, I actually do expect him to come back pretty strongly from this. Yeah, I do myself, actually. And I think a lot of it is to do with Harry Kane obviously had a, a couple of stints down in the lower leagues, in League 1, League 2, even the Championship when he was younger. And I think that all stood him in good stead, obviously, there's a, quite a few mental games the lower you go down in the league so Harry would have would have known all about that you know getting getting pelters from the fans and you hear that the lower you go down the more you hear it because there's less uh, background noise you hear the individual remarks so he'd have heard all that he'd, he'd have got pelters over the social media since he since he missed that penalty but 
Yeah, no, I would be in the boat that I think he, he would hit the ground running for spores. I think Conte would put his arm around him and, you know, just tell him everybody misses penalties is just one of those things. Even Leo Messi's missed penalties at times. So, yeah, I do. I do expect Spurs to to recover, but I, I have to be honest, I expect Spurs to drop out of the top four. I know they're sitting in fourth at the minute. I think they'll drop out. I think they'll they'll linger in around top six. I think, I think Newcastle, from what I've seen uh, them so far this season, they've been really, really impressive. And I, I think they will... They will uh, swap spores. Spores will filter down, and Newcastle will keep the pace. Yeah, I, ju- I just there's something about spores that even I know, they were sitting in, they're sitting in fourth now. But I, I remember coming into off the ball and pretty much defending them, and they're, they're sitting in fourth. It just hasn't been great to watch. They're sort of limping over, and they're, they're you know for 60, 70 minutes they're losing one nil, and then all of a sudden they turn around with five minutes to go and win two one. It just it just doesn't seem a happy place at the minute, I suppose. But like I say, I'm sure Conte in the international window now has been in there, you know, building a few bridges with people, and you know, it would have been a couple of English lads coming in the door as well. So I'm sure he, he's just really, really trying to put the feel good factor in. And obviously, we, we said there's no Martinez, Raston Villa. I'm assuming there's going to be no Romero for Spurs either, or Lloris. I don't know. It's Larice. I mean, they're obviously all back in this part of the world. At least it's easier yeah. to get home from Paris. Maybe Larice wants to play. If you if you take Larice and Romero out of that Spurs team, I'm not saying that like that, that very not very very weak. But like I, I don't fancy Romero. He was excellent for Argentina in the in the World Cup. I think he's a little bit rash in the Premier League. I think uh, the way the South Americans defend it, it's very very emotional. They can go flying into tackles. Romero does that quite a lot, but he's a big part of what Spurs do. If you take him out, if you take Lloris out, I do think they're weakened. But obviously, they'll get them back in uh, in due course. So, yeah, look, I, I just don't think Spurs is a happy place at the minute. I think that the fans are just on that knife edge and not sure if they're having Conte or not. I know he's getting results. I don't think they're happy about how he's getting them. So, look, I, I, I'm just not sure. I'd like the, the, the football to match up with the results. But the, at the minute... I'm just not sure with Spurs. I think they'll drop out, if I'm honest. Um, right, that's interesting. Because um, they're in contract negotiations at the moment. They're offering him more money. And it's like, oh, please stay. Yeah, I just wonder about Conte, though. He's a winner. And does he look around and think, you know, I, there's only so much I can do here. Like, because he could do the best job possible with Spurs, but they're not going to finish ahead of the likes of Manchester City. They're not going to win the league. Ever? Like, because he wins the league everywhere he goes. That's the thing, and I, I must be. I, I think it must be killing him. So I would have said exactly the same as you. But then, I mean, maybe maybe we're completely overreacting because it's been so long since we've seen football. But Arsenal, I would have said, not a chance. Arsenal winning the league this year, and then all of a sudden, Arsenal are like five points clear, fourteen games gone. Again, weird season. We all know why. Maybe next season, normal services resumed again. But is there no way that he could stay at Spurs and with all the money that's coming in from the, you know? Match day revenue we keep hearing about the stadium. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I just think with with Spurs, as even we saw the the season they got pipped by Leicester. There's always somebody. They didn't even finish second actually that season. They finished third in the two horse race that season. That's a that's an old Villa trait. But they will always just come up short. I'd be just interested to see. I'm like just football is a funny way of playing out that you kind of expect Spurs to get a penalty. Against Brentford and, and Harry Kane step up to take yeah, it. Well, he, I mean, of course he's going to step up. He's going to have to put up with that every away ground he goes to now. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you know he's usually so good from penalties, 
uh, as he scored in the in the with the first one against France. But he has, um, you know, he's he's missed when he's. Would you, if you were advising them, tell him to do the interview where he explains what happened now, or wait like ten years and go? I just, you know, or what, what do you do? You know, a pizza ad. Well, that's coming anyway, right? Possibly, although it's too I, soon. Whatever the version of that is. I don't know, how, how quick was the turnaround with the pizza ad and the Euro 96? Honestly, can't remember. It does, I don't think it would have been for the World Cup, and, but uh, Southgate wasn't on the team in 98, was so he? So he missed in 96. Obviously, Waddle was in there. Yeah. Stuart Pierce was in there. But Maybe um, it was this the next Christmas? I don't know. So I, I, I don't know. I, yeah. It, Somebody the thing is, if he does, on Pizza Hut ads. If he gets a penalty on the... 26th against I was going to say what day but I honestly at this time of the year I forget what day it is to be honest Monday um, Monday right Monday the so 26th yeah if he gets a penalty that day and he scores then it'll come up in his post-match interview so Harry you stepped up yeah you know have you were there any who laid some ghosts to rest yeah because yeah. the scoring against Brentford on Steve's day is exactly the same as crashing out of the World Cup against France but we had it right there to win yeah so that's what he's going to have to put up with yeah it's never going to be the same but I, he, I look, agree with Keith it was the best chance they're ever going to get Especially for Harry Kane, he's not going to be in the team four years' time. Uh, I don't think he will. Well, you know the way he's played now, he can drop deep and be a creator. He but can, but at some point, that'll be a problem. Yeah. And the next manager after Southgate, because I don't think it's going to go after them with the Euros, is going to be like, well, you know, you're kind of associated with the last era, and uh, I've got all these young kids coming through. Yeah. You just can't play with Bukai Saka, you're not good enough. And Phil yeah, Foden. I, I just, anyway. We know, uh, when it's all done anyway... He's going to be Tottenham's all-time leading scorer. Yeah. He's going to be the Premier League's all-time leading scorer. England's all-time leading scorer. Okay, well, last one on this one, Keith. Do you think this actually makes him more likely to leave? The whole point about Declan Rice wanting to play in the Champions League. Harry Kane might want to play in the Champions League, but he wants to win stuff. Bayern Munich have been interested. No harm going over there for a couple of years and being a legend too. You don't piss off the Spurs fans too much by playing for United or City or whoever. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think there's something about Hardy Kane that he, I think he loves Tottenham. I really do. I, I think it, it, the club is just in him and he, he wants to play there because, let's be honest, I'm sure he's had lots of chances to leave over the last three, four years, five years even, and he hasn't. And, you know, I, I think if, if Manchester City, Liverpool, Manchester United, whoever it is, wanted him out, I think they could have got him out. I think Daniel Levy has set his price. I think it was £150 million for City a couple of years ago in City. Obviously fell short of that. They didn't fancy him that much. And I, I think Harry Kane's happy enough to be there. He's a he's a big fish in a big pond. He's he, he's happy there. So I don't see why he'd leave. Um, if, the only thing for me is if he was to go to, you know, Bayern Munich or anywhere else in Europe, it just leaves the door open. You know, even Tony scored 10 goals already for Brentford. He's in consideration. Or maybe not with, with the with the gambling stuff now on his back. He's probably not in consideration with the with the English teams. But there's Callum Wilson, you know, there is players coming through that are threatening Harry Kane. So if he was to go to a Bayern Munich and, you know, have a half-decent season, not a great season, a half-decent season, he could easily find himself just shifting out of that England team. Because like you say, he's more than likely not going to be part of the next World Cup. Gareth Southgate would be thinking things like this. I want me, I want me striker that's going to play in the next World Cup, the next Euros. I want him in now. If that's not going to be Harry Kane, it, it'll make that, that transition a, a little bit easier. I think it'll come a little bit quicker if he does go and play somewhere else in Europe, if he's in, if he's playing for Spurs and he's scoring, you know, between 15 and 20 goals a season in the Premier League, which he generally does, I think he stays as England's number one for the next two, maybe three years. But if he, if he goes to Europe, I, I think that 
I think the chances of I'm coming out of that English team uh, go go very heavy of them leaving. All right. Uh, this is the football kickoff with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. Two quick games to uh, talk about on Tuesday and Wednesday. It's Manchester United against Forest on Tuesday and Wednesday. It's Leeds versus Manchester City. Um, Manchester United, some promising signs last night. Marcus Rashford looks like he's a player yeah, again. Good goal, yeah. And uh, Forest haven't won away from home in the league this season. So that is what I would call a home banker. Now, I did say that about City and Brentford well, I mean, it before was. the, like, the International really or the World Cup insane. break. And that was crazy, yeah. So, no, I, I, I think United will beat Forest. The Ten Hag uh, era is underway properly. He's the boss. No one's yeah. in any doubt. It's working out quite well for him. Yeah. Ronaldo's name did come up last night. It'll keep coming up, I'm sure. People will try and just get it, squeeze it in. Like you know, when they're mentioning potential strikers coming in, they'll also use the name Ronaldo. I'm sure to reference the lack of just to wind him up attacking options. He's not getting wound up though. He's no, he's cool. He's always cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you impressed with him so far, Keith? With Ten Hag? Yeah, yeah. I, I think you know. Uh, are doing okay. I think when you look at their squad compared to, you know, the likes of the, even Arsenal, Manchester City, I don't think they're, they're as good as obviously the, the some of the, the big, big boys, but they've recovered really well. I think they lost their first two or they lost their first three, but the, they're the only team in the top eight to have a, to have a worse defensive record than sports. You know, they've conceded more goals than sports and I just, it's the defensive problems for me, you know, going forward, I think Ronaldo leaving will free up certain players. I think Bruno Fernandes will will start to grow. I know he's been good for United, but I think he'll become an even bigger player once once Ronaldo goes out. And I, I think the aim for United has to be Champions League, and it's not great from a club of Manchester United stature to say if we if we can get fourth, we'll take fourth. But when you look at the race that's developing for top four, you know, like I say, I don't think Arsenal will win the league, so they're going to filter down the second tour or fourth. You've Newcastle, who seem really, really good. Liverpool, Chelsea are, are actually below Manchester United at the minute. So, look at it. It's great race of development all over the place. But for me, I just, I'm not sure about United defensively. I think they'll they'll let a couple of goals in. Look, I, the, the, I do look at United and Forest and think that's a banker for Forest to win. But United, the first yeah. game, but. With the first game back in the Premier League, I do think there's going to be a couple of weird ones. I think there'll be a couple of upsets. And when you look at the like of a Nottingham Forest, who've had the bulk of their players with them over the last two or three weeks, and you, I know Burnley didn't play too well last night against Manchester United, but Nottingham Forest are a team that's been together. United's team have been all, all all over the world, so I think that might just pay dividends. And you know, I'm not one for doing accumulators, but if I was, I'd probably throw Forest in there just as as a little upset to. To you know, a couple of weird ones coming back for Boxing Day. All right, big shout. Um, your time in England, obviously, uh, you haven't quite sluiced it off there using the Boxing Day. Uh, <laughs> oh, stop! Don't don't start that. I get that left, right, and centre. Boxing Day, <laughs> Stephen's just day. It's the twenty sixth. It's all the same. I know. I agree with you. To be honest, um, uh, the transfer window is the one thing we haven't talked about. We plenty of football to be played between uh, Leeds and Man City on Wednesday. So. You'll get um, reaction and analysis on off the ball on uh, Monday and Tuesday to that. But I do want to, like, is there any possibility that any team can be so dramatic in this transfer window, Keith, do you think that it can have a significant impact on the trans- on the outcome of the title? No. For me, I think City will win it. I don't think it really matters who signs who or, you know, where they go. I think City will win it. 
And then the rest for me are just fighting after that. I t- I'd love to see Arsenal go and finish second. I, I do think they'll fill that down a bit. But yeah, look, I, I'm hearing you know, rumours. I, I, I like Mudrick. I've heard Arsenal getting Mudrick at uh, Shakhtar Donetsk. I've seen quite a lot of him in, in the Champions League playoffs and stuff like that. He looks a really, really good player. I'm not so sure he's actually better than Martinelli. But, you know, sometimes things go a little bit stale or, you know, things just aren't happening. He's really, really direct. And I'd love to see Mudrick, even if uh, even if it wasn't at Arsenal, if he came to one of the big boys. He's, you know, I'm an ex-winger. I love seeing really direct wingers who love one of that people. And that's definitely Mudrick. And whether it's, you know, obviously in January or it's the end of the year, I do think Mudrick should be coming to the Premier League because he has that. He gets you on the edge. Actually. He's one of the wingers that really do excite you. So, yeah, I'd love to see him here. Yeah. Any thoughts on you, Phil? On no, I, I agree. Like the, like the teams that tend to go big are teams that are down at the bottom to make sure that they don't go down. And then there's going to be maybe a few signings. There could be loan signings from teams around the, the Champions League places to try and make sure they get in. You would think like there is a lot of talk that Liverpool are going to sign one midfielder in the, the transfer window. But it can't be Jude Bellingham. It I mean, it could be, but it can't be, <laughs> can't be. Enzo Fernandez. <laughs> could be, but it can't. so the three I mentioned earlier. Well, if you pay the bio clause, bio clause exists now, right? Yes, yeah. I, I don't know. Like I said, it when Liverpool are not going well. Um, one way of kind of getting attention for your uh, your publication is put them in a transfer story and people will be like I want a bit of that because Liverpool need midfielders I think I had a Christmas moment earlier on when I talked about Rodrigo instead of Rodri did I did I is that what well I? I mean that is his name well, Rodrigo okay yeah, thanks for um, my for, but that's not who I meant I meant Rodri Rodri yeah <laughs> uh, I was like uh, would it be Gundogan or would it be Rodri we both of them kicking the crap out of him yeah so anyway right happy Christmas Keith um did, was football at Christmas good or was it a pain in the hole? Pain in the hole. Was it? <laughs> uh, no, the, the football is fine. You know, the 90 minutes on the pitch is fine. It's the, when you're playing away and you've got to travel on Christmas Day and you, you're staying in a hotel and you can hear everybody else having a few jars down in reception and, you know, everybody's jolly, but you're sitting up in your room watching Only Fields and Horses reruns <laughs> and getting ready for the game. It can be quite depressing, but the football itself was never an issue. It was uh, the loneliness and you know, the festive period being by yourself. But look, it's uh, you knew your eyes were open when you come into the when you come into the profession that this was gonna be it. And I've I've had Christmases, I I got sent off one year and I managed to come home for Christmas and I, I done the same thing here. I was sitting here fiddling my tongue saying, I wish I was in a hotel playing football and you know, you can't have a boat ways, but yeah, no, it it would have been nice to be able to have a family over there, would have made it a bit better. But yeah, for me Christmas was a, a very, very lonely, depressing time. But now I've kids, you know, coming out, coming out of the woodwork left, right, and centre in this house. So I have the complete opposite of it. So there you it's, go, uh, brilliant. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's a brilliant answer, and uh, I hope you have a great Christmas, and I hope um, Santi is good to all of us. And you, lads, I'm, I'm sure you will be. Merry Christmas. Thanks a million. It's uh, Keith Tracy there, Phil Egan with us in the studio. That is this week's episode of the Football Kickoff with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're here every Friday morning, right about half past ten, previewing all the best fixtures on telly for the rest of the Premier League season. Take care. The Football Kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports.